This week on the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. Notorious. Scoundrels. Welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels, a podcast focused on tactics and competitive play for Star Wars Legion. Hosted by Kyle Dornboss, Michael Barry, and David Zelenka, with Jay Shalansky, the man behind the glass. Hello and welcome back to the Notorious Scoundrels. I'm Kyle, and I learned how to say our podcast nickname. Uh, Take that, Jay. Our <laughs> nickname? It's not our, it's not our nickname. Yeah, no, it's our name, yeah. It's great, great. I'm glad we cleared that up. Yeah, see, I even messed that part up. Um, but I said Notorious, right? Anyway, I'm here with Mike and David. Hey, what's up? I'm um, I'm pretty good. I uh, so I had my uh, first game playing as uh, droids against shorelines this past week. How was Man, that? was I miserable! <laughs> <laughs> I I've never played a game where I felt more helpless. <laughs> Uh, yeah <laughs> um yeah i mean they just you know they don't have a lot of tools right now especially to deal with that <laughs> yeah yeah it just i was like eh. we're playing key positions and um oh i i don't know how you deal with like range four you know five die through heavy cover shots against droids it just seems seems real bad yeah i mean and you know stylistically like at least corset, both droids and clones are kind of built as gun lines just because they only have access to three units. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Empire just has far more tools for that. So, like, you're just playstyle wise, you're kind of forced into a gun line fight. And yep. Empire's better at it. <laughs> they are. They are. I, to be fair, um, Grievous ended up carrying the day. I did win the game. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, what are you complaining about that? But it it was like it was like one of those games where um, Grievous like back capped their KP and like the rest of my army was in shambles. Like I took the middle KP with a pair of droidecas and all of my B ones were panicking off the board in various directions. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just like the movies, then yeah, yes, like, literally, yeah. <laughs> literally, yeah, and that's. Aside from the panicking off the board all the time situation, that is kind of how droids play. Like you have your gigantic, awesome centerpiece in Grievous, and uh, you've got a bunch of cannon fodder to support him. And yeah. you know, sometimes they die. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of droids being helpless against Empire, I think one of my favorite moments from Invader League single eliminations was uh, uh, Grievous engaged by Royal Guard and medics just continually reviving the Electro staff. <laughs> pinned down without Pierce. It's just the most, the most awful feeling when Grievous doesn't have any token help, and he's kind of just like, I can't get past these saves. Oh darn! Yeah, and he uh, he doesn't. I mean, he's got disengage on his one pip, but he doesn't have force push. So yeah, so he's just kind of stuck. I mean, I'm gonna be honest, man. That pistol is so good. It like is. you're just like, I ended up in melee with Bosk and. Um, I'm just like, all right, I'm just going to pick off unit leaders <laughs> as, as I like, I'm going to throw four dice at you with my lightsaber five. Cause I had tenacity on them and then like shoot like a sniper team or something. And it, it was, it was brutal. Um, it's pretty neat trick. Yeah. Yeah. yeah do, you call it, do you call it like tempo or something when you have a unit that can attack two or take two things at once? I mean, 
I guess you just call that a tempo boost. It really seems like heroes that can attack two things are just a cut above. You know, I'm thinking Grievous and Sabine and, and Han even. Like anything with Gunslinger. Or even yeah. like Boba with Arsenal, right? Yeah, I mean, so I've played a lot of Boba. And don't get me wrong, it's, Arsenal 2 is really good. But it's it's a whole nother level when you can Arsenal 2 and be in melee and shoot at something that's not in melee with you. Right. Like, it's so much better. Well, um, Grievous also has twice as many dice as Boba Fett does. That's yeah. that's also true. That's <laughs> also true. Wings, you right? know, um, and the critical on the gun certainly helps. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, it's just uh, yeah. I mean, it makes Boba's arsenal kind of look. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like if I roll a crit or a surge, you just die. <laughs> like that's kind of nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. it's a T twenty one B in pistol form. Yeah, literally. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. My, I mean, um, it's got Pierce. T21B doesn't have Pierce. Yeah. Um, oh, also- boy. If it did, we'd have a lot of pissed off players. All right. We're actually not talking no. about the T21B this episode. Um, Shocking. We are, we are going to... Um, we actually had an article, preview article, this past week talking about the clone and CIS specialist packs. Um, we're also going to talk about standbys with clones in our Legion 101 section. And uh, there's a non-zero chance that we're going to have uh, an interview, uh, depending on if our interviewee um, makes it home safely or not. So um, uh, he's currently fighting Bantas and Wookiees and such to make it home. So um, we'll see if that happens or not. Uh, but in the meantime, let's talk some news. Welcome to In the News. So we got a real preview article this past week uh, with the CIS upgrade expansion and the clone upgrade expansion, including some new weapons and also some personnel upgrades. What do you guys think? Let me pull it up real quick. So I'm I'm looking at the article about the droids so far, and I am modestly impressed um but i don't i mean they seem to be like paying for convenience in a lot of these upgrades uh so like uh, for example the integrated comms antenna which is this comm upgrade um it says you can be issued orders by friendly commander or operative units at range one to four so i mean that's kind of nice but it's like like doesn't um doesn't commanding presence do the same thing for five points on a, on a global level Whereas integrated comms antenna does it for one unit for three points. It seems like, you know, not the best. It, I think, I think it's relevant here to talk about a couple things. The first is the, um, if you're taking overwhelming, inspiring presence or whatever it is, um, commanding presence, commanding Commanding presence. presence, Yeah, that's yeah. There's like so many interchangeable words that can be different. Um, <laughs> different game, inspiring presence. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, so that's taking up a strict orders or aggressive tactics slot, right? For starters, right. So, right. with that being said, this card is terrible. Um, like, okay, if you're at range four of your commander, just issue the order to a B one that's within range three of your commander, and then have it give it to the unit that's at range four, right? Like, I don't, I don't understand why you'd ever take this card. 
Right, it says droid trooper only, so it's not like you could slap this on a droidica or something where it might actually see some use. Yeah, it's, it's uh, a lot. I'm, I'm confused. Um, I, I would So aside from the weapon upgrades, I would sort of characterize the droid upgrades in this pack as like mistake mitigation. Mm. Um, this one doesn't really make any sense to me, but the, the OOM series droid, which is... Um, allows you to coordinate at range one to two. And then uh, the security droid basically removes AI attack. Those are both like, if those kick in, you've made a mistake somewhere else, essentially. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, I could see, I could actually see the security droid in a situation where you're worried about jammer tauntauns, because if you don't have a face up, it still lets you withdraw. Um, since you're cutting, yeah, that's nice insurance, huh? Um, but uh, like, and and the OOM series droid lets you kind of extend your gaps a little more. But um, these are both kind of expensive upgrades compared to like just an extra body. The security droid is nine, so that's fifty percent more. It doesn't seem like a lot, but you know, um, it's three more points than six. Yeah, so the security droid. Um, you know, it's kind of like Tauntaun Jammer Insurance, and then the OM series droid lets you kind of extend your gaps a little bit. But yeah, I think I was going to say something about AI attack and and intercept the transmissions, for example. As far as like, yeah, moving, where AI moving attack can totally screw you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the thing is, like, I mean, I think I've had AI proc a total of one time in the various CAS games that I've played. Um, and it was, it was in our stream game, um, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, uh, so, uh, like notionally I agree, but assuming that you're preserving unit leaders and stuff correctly, um, like you shouldn't, you shouldn't even have to worry about AI most of the time. Cause you're going to have face up orders, assuming that you set up your line and everything correctly. Now, obviously jammers get in the way of that which is why i think it's potentially important if you're worried about jammer tauntauns which so is it even good against jammer tauntauns is the real question because i would pose this generally speaking if you're engaged with the tauntaun you don't care about ai attack well you do in that it prevents you from withdrawing Um, (laughs) sure but like you're not like gonna I don't know. I sort of feel like you don't withdraw in that scenario generally. I mean, well, I, I think you, so it depends on when it happens. If it happens at the beginning of the turn, you definitely want to for a couple of reasons. Yeah. Um, the first is, uh, and actually Kingsley mentioned this last week, like droid units are big, right? So if they like ram one unit and then move into another unit, um, you know, that second unit will wrap them completely. And if you have Grievous, you won't even be able to get in there to attack the Tauntaun because you have eight dudes in your unit, potentially as many as eight dudes, anywhere from six to eight. So, um, and their melee attack is horrible. <laughs> it's white, white dice, no sir. I mean, a, a B1 unit, even with eight guys, should not wrap two Tauntauns. Yeah, two Tauntauns. I guess it depends on if it's one model or two. Yeah, yeah, if it's one, if, if it's one model, then then sure. But yeah. like a full Tauntaun unit, you should not be. I mean, like 
I suppose you could choose to wrap them, but that would be a poor choice. On oh, your man. I, have a, I have a great tangent that I'm <laughs> totally not going to embark on because we have to talk about this, this upgrade pack. Okay. But what are you going to do about that tail? Because that tail sticks out over the base. So how can you actually mm. wrap it? Because <laughs> you're always going to have a gap. I don't know. I guess you'll have to make it smaller than a unit's base, but whatever, man. <laughs> yeah, the, I, so the dewback is actually worse in that respect. Um, oh, but that's, for sure. That, that's a whole nother like etiquette slash rules topic that maybe we should maybe we should tackle next week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think in terms of this upgrade, it's actually so. I think it's interesting in that this upgrade is really three points in my mind, um, just because right now. Um, everybody's taking extra B, like the extra B1 model anyways. Right? Yeah, because yeah, so you, like, only, you only have so many units to take, so yeah. Yeah, like, like people are taking full B1 units right now. So the B1 security droid is really three points to be able to ignore AI attack once in a while. Um, which, if you have some extra points to spend, not that big a deal. Yeah, it seems fine. I I wouldn't buy this pack for that unit. No, um, but no, if you've got it much and you've reasons. got an extra nine points, then yeah, I could see it. Um, it's worth noting that if you are going to play this upgrade, it's pretty much only good against like comms jammer shenanigans for the most part, unless you've made an error, which sometimes happens. Yeah. Um, which is, which is relevant because you probably want this unit to be farther up towards the front to take the charge so that you can then actually use the upgrade. Like, if they're going to charge a unit, you want it to be this one. Yep, accurate. Um, so that's just something to keep in mind. All right, should we talk about these weapons? Because they're far more interesting. Yeah, let's do that. You'll start with the t-shirt cannon. I mean, the radiation gun. <laughs> the t-shirt cannon, he says. Yeah, that is that is what it looks like actually. Yeah, uh. <laughs> I I gotta say I I haven't seen these sculpts in person, but I hope the barrel of the gun is not actually flat like that. It, it looks really weird. You mean the front of it? Yeah, just like it looks like a sawed off. It looks. I don't know. It looks like a cylinder cannon. I mean, look at the art on the card. It's. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know. I don't know. It's just it looks weird. Watching watching radioactive t-shirts. Um. <laughs> It feels weird to me that like the barrel isn't hollowed out a little bit. I don't know. Well, uh, you know, these are only like the second iteration of hard plastic that they've done. So I know, I know. Uh, I guess I'm, you know, just use a hobby drill, Mike. If yeah, really, I understand. If it really bothers you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yo, this gun is good. Yeah, it, uh, it yeah. is. It's there's one bad thing about it, um, and it's that it's range two, which is sure. But yeah, it's two red dice, which is great, um, and it's got poison one on it, which is also great. It's the poison one that really uh, seals the deal on this bad boy. I, you know, this this turns a B one unit into like a character hunting, like machine. Yeah, if you hit something that is damage resilient, like a like a Jedi or a Tauntaun, or you know, clones, something with a good, really anything with a good save. Um, yeah. and you push a wound through, like you're just going to straight up do an extra wound the next time that thing goes. Yeah. And like, like that's huge. Hitting Palpatine with this is like, 
Yeah. Yeah, if you if you manage to get through a save, yeah, you basically doubled your damage if you only got one through. But that's all it takes, right? You just right. have to wound something. Which, yeah. you know, is the challenge, but hopefully the two red are gonna help you get there. Cause like whatever yeah. paint you do roll is gonna pass through cover in all likelihood, because the two reds are gonna come out hits. You know, it's like a seventy-five percent on both to hit, so yeah, and you're probably gonna have a surge token or whatever, hopefully. Right. Um, well, and you you got a bunch of white dice also in that pool to help you out. Right. So you could roll like four crits and then just laugh <laughs> and be like, "Yeah, oh, there's a radiation cannon in there." Yeah. Have fun with that. It's it's a very hard hitting short range weapon. Oh yeah. Um, I could easily see now it's twenty two points, which makes it the most expensive of the various B one heavies. But for I good reason. See, yeah. Right. But I could see having. You know, this dude can still throw a white dice at range three. Um, I could see having like one of these in your in your list for those close range threats, especially if you're running. Um, we're not going to talk about Dooku this week because we don't have all his cards in English. But um, if you're running him with force push, you know it's a great like aggressive unit counter, and uh, um, you know this thing is great at damaging all of those units that you would be force pushing. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, it's solid. It's, you know, range two is short range two is pretty limiting. Um, but these guys are a lot cheaper than fleets. So, <laughs> yeah, it's worth noting that, um, like 25 to 30% of the meta is not going to get hit by this gun for the most part right now. Um, Oh, you mean as far as like droids? Yeah. I mean, like you can hit Grievous with it. Um, yeah. But generally, if Grievous is at range two of you, he's in melee with you. So, right. Um, you know, it's it's a little bit short sighted there. Um, yeah, that, that's works. the only downside, I think. Yeah, and it works. It works great against everything else that you target yeah. with it. So, um, the other thing in here, the sniper rifle, which is the uh. E5S. E5S, yes, I'm sorry. They're all like, they all start with E. <laughs> I want to make sure that I... Yeah, the, E5, the E5C is, is the, the three black, uh, no keyword one. This one is range one to four, red, white, critical one. 20 points. Thoughts? Um, oh, that scope is actually attached to his faceplate. It is, it is. Uh, so... You, you're taking this gun for the critical one, not the range. It is my opinion about this. Um, I think that generally speaking, yeah, I don't know. I, I just like, if for whatever reason you do end up triggering AI and you're at range four of something, it's a real feel bad. Now that shouldn't happen. Right. Uh, so I actually have the reverse opinion. I think I think you're paying for the range when you're buying this thing. Really, and and that's because um, it is less good than the E5C when you have an aim token because the E5C has three blacks and this thing just has a red. You're probably going to hit mm -hmm. on the red and then you're going to be re-rolling re two whites. Mm -hmm. um, with the E5C, there's a much better chance that you're re-rolling one or more black dice. So um, this thing is actually worse when you have an aim token than the E5C is. It's also how often do you have an aim token though? You know, whenever you're in like a range three gunfight, you're doing aim shoot. No, you're probably doing moon shoot quite a bit. Yeah. Also. 
I don't know. I just I, I feel like um, critical one is roughly equivalent to a name token in a B one pool. Yeah, I mean it's so um, in a pool with like eight dice in it, critical one or a surge token is worth about 0.75 hits, roughly. Yeah. Um, but the E5C also has better raw dice. You know, it's got four blacks, which is one and a half hits. This thing is um, a red and a white, which is uh, one hit. So It's got three blacks. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I said four. I meant three. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, 12, 12 out of eight is one and a half, and then this thing is eight out of eight. Um, so, uh, you know, it's like when you add in the critical, it's what what is that, 0.25 hits better on average than the E5C? Um, yeah. If, if you're not aiming. So is that worth two points? Maybe. But I think, I think if you're getting this thing, you're paying for the range four. The ability to shoot it and suppress things at range four with critical. Um, now it's a liability if you've got AI triggered, but hopefully you're not in that situation. So that's my view on it. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's fine. It's like, it's fine. Yeah. I put this side by side with the rocket and I think to myself, what, what role is this actually filling in my list? Cause I, I kind of feel the same way. I think that like critical, you know, not backed up by enough dice on its own. I guess that's kind of nice against the factions that don't save half the time or more. Um, but in terms of like vehicle killing power in my current, you know, spread of units, there is nothing else to take that can kill vehicles at range with any degree of like certainty. Yeah. And it's, so, it's, it's the same cost as the rocket. It's, it's also worth sort of mentioning in that like you're going to have one to two B1s with, with uplinks in your army. Right. So the rock is not really a tax, right? It's actually impact two just has a, I mean, it's, it's narrower, but it's better at that job yeah. of killing armor. Right. And I think armor, you know, is, you know, we're going to see, you know, more vehicles. We're going to see, um, you know, maybe the ATST makes a comeback or something because of this Tauntaun nonsense. Um, you never know. <laughs> so uh, just just keeping an open mind, you know, and saying, hey, if vehicles do come back, you know, and or if I ever face, if I'm in a tournament, I face, you know, let's say triple RT, right? I'll have something that's really, really good at killing them at range. And they probably will have a hard time keeping up with it because of impact too. And then all the random crits I'm getting if I'm fishing with my other units. Yeah, I, I think I think all all of the various droid weapons are interesting, like side grades, in my opinion. Um, I know I know there are people out there that saying your default choice should just be the sniper rifle, but for all the reasons we discussed, I don't think it's quite that straightforward. Yeah, I think the radiation cannon is the standout because poison is really good. Yeah, it's just range two is super limiting. I don't. I definitely don't think you want to take like yeah. six radiation guns. It, yeah, you you don't. You want to take like maybe one or one to two, but even then. Like, I don't know, man. It's phenomenal. I so the thing about it is like you want the B ones to get close anyways. Right? Like they, they gotta get up in there to do their damage. So like why not just like go all in on it? I mean it's probably not great now because we don't have supporting units. But like I could see a world where, you know, 
the AAT or whatever it is, is just like firing away and, you know, they have to deal with that instead of focusing on your, you know, advancing B1s with radiation cannons. Yeah, I can see it. I just, I don't think you want six. That's a lot of, it's a lot of eggs in the short range basket. In my opinion. Yeah, yeah. You can still fire eight dice away at range three, which is like not that different. You're you're pretty much almost always rolling crits on, or like fishing for crits on the B1 pool anyways, I found. Right, like you only lose what, three face, you lose not even three facings, like what do you lose? Well, it depends. Well, yeah, on, you lose three facings it, at range three. Yeah, it depends on whether you have certain tokens or not, but yeah, I kind of mm-hmm. get what you're saying. I'm just, uh, um, all right. Well, those are the droid weapons. Should we talk about the clone upgrades and then the weapons? I think the clone upgrades are much more interesting, personally. I agree. Go on. Um, okay, so I guess we'll just start on that. So the uh, the shotgun, I think that's a shotgun. The DP-23? Yeah. Is that a shotgun? shotgun? Yep. Yeah. Like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> you, you're giving Pierce to a to, to face one core units? I don't know. Seems excellent. Um, it's P good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I don't know what else to say about it. It's a little expensive, I guess, but um, it's only, what, like a, two points more expensive than a Z6? Yeah, it's only two more than a Z6. It's cheaper than a DC-15. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It just seems really good. Um, and I don't know, just adding Pierce to core units seems really good. Like fleet troopers would be excellent if they could base shoot range three and flop to a, a range two gun that had Pierce when they needed it. Yeah. I mean, it'd be like if you could give rebel troopers the fleet shotgun. Yeah. Which you would. Which you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you absolutely would. <laughs> like, you absolutely would. Yeah. You know, and this this thing's real nasty once you like factor in like fire support. Yep, totally. You know, <laughs> you're like, oh, I'm gonna fire support this bark with my Pierce unit. <laughs> gross. Yeah, <laughs> that's gross. Um, yeah, it hits like it hits hard. That's for sure. Oh, yeah, man, that's that's phenomenal. I love it. Um, and what's the other one? The other one is the the, the rocket RPS the rocket, which doesn't exhaust. Yeah, this yeah, is the, like, yeah. This this, this is, is like. Go I was gonna say this is the only like dedicated uh, core unit anti armor weapon that does not exhaust. Doesn't I the mean, new rebel shotgun? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, that's only oh, range yeah. two, and it's just impact one. So it's it's yeah. I know. I just you know. Whatever. I wouldn't. I would say rebels got it too, man. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't count. Range two doesn't exist in this game, don't you know. We yeah. just talked about range two being really good. <laughs> I know he did. <laughs> uh, on two separate lies, lies. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, those those, those units, units are, are both much more durable than rebel troopers. But well, and both of those units also have essentially pierce attached to them in some fashion yeah, yeah, yeah um impact is significantly less good than pierce generally for a shotgun yes yeah yeah um yeah no this guy's really good i i wish that the imperial rocket launcher guy read like this yeah it's also a great a great dice pool it's rainbow red black white so 
That's a... what did what did they change the HH12 to? I did, I know they readjusted it, right? The HH12, they adjusted it down. Yeah, I think it, was it used to be points. 32. I think yeah. it's 24. And th- yeah, okay. I think it's the same as the GLT now, or okay, something that's like a that. lot better. Yeah, it's 24. It's minus eight. Yeah. It's still it, you have to exhaust it. Yeah, not idea. No. Um, no. Yeah, that's so like, when's my land speeder rocket gonna cost this much, guys? <laughs> never. <laughs> speaking of, never. Speaking of tangents. And anyhow, yeah, I mean, this is this is pretty darn nice. I mean, the rainbow dice, of course, are great. The fact that it has three dice is also great too. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the question is like, when do you want this? And the answer is pretty much only if vehicles are a thing. I think. Um, I could see it as like a one of. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, the cumbersome is still pretty darn restrictive. Mm-hmm. It's like so you slave it on the back unit, the unit that's in your backfield, and you just rock it forward. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, it's worth noting that it's somewhat better than a DC whatever 15 in a yeah. unit that is like abusing standby tokens. Yep. Um, just because it's got more dice. Uh, it's cheaper. But it's also cheaper. Yeah. Right. Um, it's not 30. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, I think I think this is serviceable. This will be played in some amount. If vehicles are a real thing, clones are going to play this guy. Yeah, launchers will definitely make a comeback. Yeah, it's definitely way better than the Rebel and Empire equivalents, which are the MPL Ion and the uh, HH12. Oh God, is the MPL Ion ever going to be good? Who knows? Yo, I think the Snowtrooper Ion gun is actually serviceable right now. Of course, because they have that free action that makes it so. The same, you know. Yeah, it's. I agree. It's not terrible, um, but I think the only ion weapon that you're taking in a competitive setting right now is piston, potentially. No, nah, man, you're taking a land speeder. Okay, yeah, maybe a land speeder. Yeah, maybe the uh, yeah maybe the M what the what the hell do you call the M forty eight forty five forty five? There it is. Yeah, it's the same thing as the piston gun, but like, you know. Yeah, it's a big, yeah, it's a BFG ion gun. <laughs> I just want to put Kyle on record here of saying the only ion gun you'd take in a competitive list is a Pathfinder. <laughs> I mean, if you're taking ion, it's not I just, wrong. I'm just saying, Mister, I I've been advocating for Pathfinders, and you were disagreeing with me for months. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> Great. I'm glad we had this talk. I mean, uh, I still don't think you're taking them, but I think if like if you want to take Ion, that's the one that you take. You hear that, everybody? Kyle's lying to us again. <laughs> <laughs> I'd take them if they didn't die to a stiff breeze. Yeah. yeah. I'd take them if Bistan didn't have anti-synergy with Duck and Cover. Yeah, you that's know. the trouble with the Bistan. Yeah. He's such a, such a badass dude, though. Like just looking yeah, at it. He's like, I don't, I don't need to duck, man. I'm just gonna like sit here with my Ewing door gun and hose you all down. Yeah, gangster. he doesn't duck. He covers, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He covers. Yeah. That's his gangster lean. Yeah. 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 <laughs> all right. Uh, so that was the RPS. What do you think about the personnel upgrades there? Can we talk about Captain Swole? Captain Swole. He's super swole. I mean, look at this art. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, you're right. 
<laughs> I mean, they're all swole, right? They're genetically, they're space marines. These are yeah, literally yeah. space marines without calling yeah. space marines. Yeah. yeah, they're the Star Wars equivalent. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, so the specialists are interesting. Uh, you know, I, th- I don't know. Uh, I think they, they mirror the, uh, the rebel and imperial ones, right? Yeah, basically. Yes. Um, which we actually haven't really talked about yet either. Yeah. I mean, I think these effects are fine. Um, I, like, I don't know. You're, you're talking about the shotgun, right? So pair it with this captain guy, right? It says when you activate, you cannot remove suppression tokens or be suppressed during this activation. So it doesn't matter, man. As long as this guy's ready, you're going to get your move shoot. Like, it's it's happening. A fire-supported shotgun is happening because this guy's on the field. I think... Yeah, I mean... So, so I think this effect is much better for clones than it is for Rebel and Empire right now, strictly because we do not have um, officers, right? Yes. So, like, this is this is the clone way to kind of, like, get better than one courage on a clone unit right now. You can also use it to put Overwatch on Phase 1s. Yeah, we'll... Because you gain training with him. Oh, we'll talk about that. We'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's. I think that that's definitely the best reason to take this card. But um, overall, this effect, I think, is better on clones. Uh, as far as for, like, the Rebel and Empire go, I think it competes a little bit too much with the officer. Um, I think the officers are just like, do this most of the time anyways, and give you a little bonus. Yeah, and they do it every turn. Yeah, I I don't know. And they do it for a different unit, too, because of that Inspire 1 that's baked in. Yeah. So they can, like, potentially cover two units, not just their own. Yeah. Um, So, I don't know. I mean, like... it, It feels really like a niche effect for the rebels and the imperials to me yeah i mean i think it's really specifically for the range two pairing you know because you, you want to suppression has how you've shut down range two weapons in the past and this is just a workaround you just pay points to work around it yeah which is great because i mean it should be more expensive you can just ignore suppression i mean that's pretty godlike when you think about it yeah um i think the other special clone specials is so much better though i'm gonna be honest yeah, the as far as the text effect is concerned. Yes. Yep. Agreed. Yeah, um, he's extremely good too. Do you want to talk about what it does? Yeah, I mean, it's just it gives you a gear icon and it's uh, free action gain one aim dodge or surge token. Um, yep. When you exhaust them. which is which on its face, I actually think is not very good. Um, but. It's much better, you know, if uh, people people are saying that Rex's 2-pip requires name token to use. This is a really good way to get it. Yep. Yeah, and it's only five more points than, like, the normal trooper upgrade. So. Yeah. yeah, so it's really not that big of a deal. Like, you're mostly paying for the body, right? You're paying for that extra body, but you're also getting this really neat effect. So it's kind of like a premium extra soldier. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's um, 
And it's also the most flexible of the various specialist upgrades. Um, Empire, I think, is aim or surge. Um, Rebel is dodge or surge. <laughs> Poor Rebel. I, th I thought they were all aim, dodge, or surge. No, no, no. Rebels, is that not true? Rebels definitely does not have an aim on it. <laughs> I don't remember. Um, there was, there was. Much I'm going to go look this up. I will. I will bet you. Uh, my. I'm not betting anything. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love how we like constantly mock dodge tokens, but Tauntauns are running the roost. Well, they get them. And part of that is because of their dodges. But they get them You're for right. free. Right. <laughs> so they don't have to do anything other than just like exist to have right. them. I mean, they have to. So the Rebel Trooper Specialist does say dodge or one surge. Um, yeah, that's, that's bad. Oof. <laughs> Yikes. Well, I actually, Yikes. I mean, like, I think the Rebel Specialist is a lot better than the Imperial Specialist. Huh. Just because Imperials have so many ways to get free aims anyway. E a, yes, and B, um, the Rebel Specialist is a lot, like, Nimble synergizes way better with free, free tokens than Precise does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, they both. Uh, it would have been more interesting if they were swapped. I think if you gave rebels a way to get aims and empire a way to get dodges, it would have been more interesting. I think. I, I agree. I'm sorry, I, I have to say this. Um, if all your dice are hits, like you surely aim tokens are no longer viable. <laughs> <laughs> That's accurate. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, unless you're clones, then you can share them. Right. You can make sure everyone else's dice right. are hits. <laughs> But yeah, I think the clone specialist is the best of the various specialists just because it does give you that flexibility. You know, I hear that you don't need aim tokens if you're just allowed to flip your blanks to crits. <laughs> right, I know. <laughs> yeah, well. I, don't think, I don't think there are any units we have to worry about that can do that. <laughs> okay. All right. I just, as, as long as we're being salty about it. Yeah. I, I hear that once you notch a model into the end of the movement tool, that's it. You're done. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we we almost made it an episode without talking about Tauntauns. It's really yeah. hard. Well, it's really hard. They, they did win. Uh, we should actually talk about the warfare results too before we get to Legion One Hundred and One, um, just briefly. Yeah. Um, do Do we want to talk about our interview at all in that conversation? We can preview it, and it may or may not be this week based on uh, whether uh, Mr. Warfare winner um, and also second place Warfare uh, person can um, fight through the Banthas and the Wampas to get here in time. But uh, we can talk about the results, I think, one way or the other. Sure. It's kind of weird to have a major tournament the past weekend and then like not talk about not it. Not talk about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As much as we like. It's not like they were giving out black dice or anything, you know? Because they totally were. Uh, yeah, they actually had a dice there. Um, unlike yeah. at Nova Open, uh, they had an actual trophy to get out. Are you salty, Kyle? No, I even said at the time I didn't really care about the trophy. Um, and in fact, yeah. it was still like a misprint. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's just sitting in my basement. Um, but uh, yeah, it, uh, so... Uh, our, our own R1H4, Eric Riha, was the winner of Warfare. Um, and he was running um, <laughs> Tauntauns. Uh, but he was actually the only one with Tauntauns to get an invite. The other three were not running anything remotely Tauntaun 
He wasn't just running Tauntauns, sir. Okay. He was running Tauntauns with triple snipers, with Luke with force push, and three rebel troopers with no heavy weapons. Success. It's like it's like the meta we've been talking about has come true. Yeah, kinda. <laughs> it's also like Oh, it's like suddenly the rebels have best units that are not the Z six, and so you just buy those best units. And if it if it ends up that you're you have enough points left for three rebel troopers, then so be it. <laughs> but I look at I look at that now, and it's like, man, you know, now if I want to play rebels, I have to pay this hundred twenty point tax <laughs> of three core units. <laughs> I mean, they do like objectives and stuff. That's true. That's true. I can't ign- I can't ignore their importance. But still, it's like, man, if I didn't have to take these, would I? <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just. I think it's fine. You know. I mean, like, so I think it's fine that there is an army that does not rely on core units. Yeah, that's perfectly okay. I The fact that Tauntauns are pretty good, um, you know, we that's a different conversation. But yeah, yeah, yeah. We can, we the can the results were. Those. Pretty interesting Dead's here, though. Uh, the top four had every faction in it other than the uh, Grand Army of the Republic. Um, yeah, so number two was the illustrious LJ Pena, the first to qualify uh, with... Was he not number two? He was not number two. He was number three. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm sorry. Well, he played he played R1 in the final, or what turned out he to did. be the final. Um, but there, yeah, there ended up being three, four, and ones, and he was in... Third place based on SOS. Okay, well, um, but he was not that it's a huge right. But he's the first to earn a spot, I think, with the droids. Um, yeah, yeah. And then there were two other Imperials. Um, I know at least one of them was a shoreline with a tank, I believe. Um, that was Nerfly, and I'm yeah. I'm not sure what what Ryan played. Um, um, I don't but, have it in front but I'm, of me. I'm sure we'll find out in the uh, the interview that we have either today or next week. I guarantee you. Yeah. So, um, yeah. All right. So we've been talking about Warfare Weekend. We're going to go ahead and get um, Eric and LJ on the line for an interview. So hold tight. And we're back with Eric Reha, a.k.a. R1H4, and LJ Pena, a.k.a. TalkPolite. How you guys doing? Doing just fine. <laughs> Ready to rumble. Was was that a jazz flute? It, it may have been a jazz flute. I may have recently oh, rediscovered wow. the jazz flute. Yes. Nice. <laughs> Most excellent. Can I ask you guys a favor real quick? No. Go for it. Okay. Well, LJ, I'll ask you. Could you say <laughs> notorious? Notorious. Sweet. Eric, do you want to try it? Uh, the second part or the first part? Scoundrels! <laughs> That's fair. All right. All right we got to gotta patch that together and do a drop. Um, <laughs> That's, That's how it'll start. I like it. Yeah. Good. It's good. Quality. Yeah. Um, so you guys were at a tournament this weekend. Yeah, that we were. That tournament yeah. was the Warfare Weekend. Yeah, Warfare was actually pretty great. And I mean, not for reasons I'm sure we're going to discuss here in a minute. But uh, overall, just like 
not even talking about winners, losers, factions, any of that. It was just really solid. Like everything was well executed, I'd say. Yeah, it was a it was a smaller con, and uh, I, I suppose you could say it's um, one of the maybe more up and coming uh, conventions uh, in the St. Louis area here, where I guess I now hail from. And uh, it, uh, I think the show went off without uh, without a hitch. We had uh, good playing space, good tables, uh, good access to the bar. I'd say we checked all the boxes. Mm-hmm. Were Were you furnishing your opponents with shots of white rhodian? I I indeed br- did bring the thermos of white rhodian uh, for day one. Uh, anybody that wanted, I I I didn't drink very much myself, uh, and by the end of the day, I was dry. So it was uh, it was a good day. So what you're saying is you got your opponents drunk and then beat them into the ground. I don't think I actually got any of my direct <laughs> opponents drunk, but I may have influenced the rest of the field in the process. Okay. Yeah, he he got me feeling pretty great before my second game, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's talk real quick. Uh, how many players uh, did you end up with, roughly? It was 24. Yeah, 24 overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, we had a couple drops by the next day. But overall, uh, it was still a pretty solid field of folks. Uh, a number of, in fact, I'd say the majority of people were probably coming in from out of town. Um, and we had uh, quite a few uh, sort of um, maybe higher ranked folks on the, the old Legion ladder, if we had one, you know, uh, show up to the event. Yeah, I was anxiously following Tabletop um, online, TTO, uh, on Friday and Saturday just to see like who was matched up and how the games were going. Because it was, you know, 24 is, um, it's a good-sized tournament for a, a convention that has never had Legion before. But uh, the field was definitely uh, fairly competitive. Still a lot of a lot of known competitive Legion players that showed up to that. So, um. Do you guys want to talk real quick about what lists you brought to Warfare? Let's let's do R1 first and then LJ. Sure. Uh, so I was bringing uh, some Tauntauns that I had almost completed uh, my paint job on. I, they had a bit of a rush uh, contrast paint job, but we can maybe get into that later, maybe not. But anyway, uh, I was running an officer uh, with uh, strict orders. Uh, Commander Luke Skywalker with just force push. Uh, three naked rebel troopers, three sniper strike teams, and three tauntauns, uh, all with tenacity, two with uplink, and one with comms jammer for a total of 796 points. So you're you're on board the naked rebel trooper train? I don't know if I want to say I'm on board with it. Uh, I have been experimenting with it, and I had never actually played this particular list uh, before. I had obviously run a number of different Tauntaun lists uh, with Leia, with Operative Luke, and some of the the Invader League uh, Round Robin games and things like that. Uh, but I had never actually played this iteration of things. Um, and... It, uh, it seemed to work out pretty well. Um, the ability to get objectives done uh, while also freeing up the majority of points in your force to do the combat uh, seems to work out pretty well. I, I don't know if it'll always work out that way. 
Uh, I don't know if there are some significant weaknesses that you can run into later. Um, but for the opponents uh, and other lists I ran into, it worked out well. Have you have you played any Rebel lists without Tauntauns? I have not played any Rebel lists without Tauntauns. <laughs> so, <laughs> would you say, oh boy. Would, would you say that you're a Fairweather Rebel fan? Uh, no, we're going to call him an uh, enemy of the state. <laughs> I might be an enemy of the state. And to be completely honest, I, I was uh, I was about three minutes from running a Palpatine list for the event and uh, decided at the very last minute, you know what? I'm just going to try this 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 ridiculous setup with these three naked rebel troopers. If, if it goes well, if, great. If it doesn't, whatever. It's no big deal. And I they turn, it turns it turns out it's it's pretty good. As, a, as, as David has said in the past, Tauntauns polish many a turd. <laughs> well, and I happen to be the largest of them, so they're doing a good job. <laughs> um, just real quick before we get to LJ's list, uh, are, are you? would you make any changes with some of the upcoming releases to include Operative Luke and R2? Well, uh, I don't know, and that's a, that's a really good question because um, I think some of the Invader League matches we've seen so far have have shown that that R two is is pretty pretty solid. Um, in Operative Luke is also pretty good, but I but in some cases, you know the the ability to be able to hit. I mean, it didn't it didn't come in handy all the time, right? But the snipe the three snipers when I did have to face Imperials or clones, um, they really punched above their weight against droids or rebels maybe not so much um but you know it's it's one of those things where you have at least you know a tool for every task in in that particular setup and 11 activations to boot um getting r2 in there usually means you have to drop an officer or a sniper and then kind of figure out where the rest of those points go and maybe that's just what you have to do but uh, I think the only thing I would really change is put in um, uh, serve your master well instead of ambush as the one pip and call it a day. Would you would you still run? Um, well, I guess I guess what command cards did you run is a question, and and is that the only one you swap out with the operative blue cards? I think it would be um, maybe uh, I would swap in. Um, I am a Jedi for assault. Assault did come in handy a number of times when I had to still had to issue orders to all the Tauntauns early on in the matches, usually assault, even standing orders did get played or, uh, every once in a while. Um, I am a Jedi can be strong, but it's, it is definitely more of a niche card. Uh, I don't know, uh, over a large event, I guess, I guess that needs more, uh, I I'd say it needs more testing, at least for me. All right, LJ, you want to tell us what you brought? Sure. So um, I was one of two people at the event that uh, brought some droids along. Uh, I ran what I call to be, you know, kind of my standard build. I kind of see it right now. There's only a couple ways to run droids because of obvious limitations. And this is the one that I felt so far throughout my own testing has been the most strongest. Uh, you've got General Grievous with aggressive tactics, strict orders, tenacity, and his annihilator pistol. Six B1s, four with an E5C and an extra trooper, two with a rocket, extra trooper, and HQ uplink. 
And then last but not least, double droidica with linked targeting array. It comes in at 800 at the dot. And um, so I think you're the you're the first person to qualify with the droids. Is that accurate? Uh, as far as I can tell, I am. I'm kind of waiting to see if any reports come in from the previous weekend right after things came out. Um, and if there was any other, you know, RPQs, primes that happened during Warfare Weekend. So there is a small chance that I'm not, but I'm starting to think that um, I was, which is kind of cool. That was actually one of my goals. Um, you know, I obviously you go there to win a qualifier spot, but I, I wanted to see if I could put that feather in my hat, and I think I was able to, so that was kind of nice. Um, so the droids also have some upcoming releases. Um, do any of those affect what you'd, what you'd be bringing with them? Uh, I think so. Um I've kind of been testing a lot of different stuff on the side, you know, based on what we know. And, uh, you know, those of you who've been paying attention to Invader probably know that I ran Dooku Grievous a couple times. And, uh, you know, that's a list that some opponents just don't have answers for sometimes. I, you know, it's not always the best list, whereas this one that I ran is kind of an all comers that I felt like all weekend could kind of handle whatever was thrown at it pretty decently. Um, but I'm very excited to run Dooku Grievous and six E5Cs. Um, and if I can put the money together, Dooku Grievous and six of the droid snipers, because that one in particular has been uh, really effective uh, in, in my playtesting. So um, do you want to talk real quick about the droid snipers? Because we actually talked about them briefly earlier on the show because they did have that spoiler article last mm. week. Um do you want to just talk about what you feel the benefits are of them over the E5s and why you take six of them? Yeah, um, so you're only losing out on one die from the E5C to the sniper. So you're, you know, the the ceiling is very similar, and you know when you throw seven, eight, nine dice in your pool, you're pretty much always going to roll at least one surge. So I I like the way it pairs with the B1s because for the most part, you were just kind of hoping that you were going to get some lucky crits and hit through anyway. But I found when I was playing it, especially verse clones, the dice that was going through cover was pretty much exclusively crits. So not only was it going through and hitting the target, you know, that I wanted to, but clones in particular could not use any tricks like a steam leader with ob1 or sorry guardian with ob1 to take those hits away from the clones and you know funnel to somewhere else and so you know i i really think they are going to be an effective part of the droid army and it kind of allows your b1s to stand back and just aim shoot aim shoot while your other big heavy hitters go in and do damage and if your heavy hitters can take all of the focus off your b1 line that's a lot of dice that aren't being chipped away at anymore because they're too busy trying to deal with Grievous Dooku. And so I, I, I like the fact that I can kind of create like a bit of a standoff range with them and just kind of fire, fire, fire for as long as I can without having to move. Um, and, you know, that I can still have great control of the army um, even as the battle develops because that B1 line is just so efficient at coordinating down. Um, and because they're staying farther away, again, because of the snipers, I find that I keep that line uh, you know, together for a little longer compared to when I run the E5Cs. Do you ever run into issues with AI or, uh, do you find that you typically have face-ups? So, um, you don't even run into that. 
Um, I'd say in the three or four games I've ran with the snipers, I haven't had AI trigger once. Yep, that sounds about right. Um, do you guys want to talk real quick about like which battle cards you cut from your deck and then how you tend to approach turn zero, which which objectives and conditions you, you try and look for? Yeah, that sounds fun. Sure. sure. Um, so I... Uh, Given the the uh, I guess you could say the the three naked level rebel troopers, um, I, I guess the the traditional cut, right? At least from a objective standpoint, when you're running tauntauns, is um, sabotage. Uh, I kept those in. Uh, I kept in sabotage and pulled recover. Um, I didn't like the idea of sending Luke out there all by his lonesome to try to try to get something. Sure, he'd have a bunch of tauntauns and probably could make it work. But um, given the fact that I had still had three units to um, essentially do all of the the work or the the leg the the, the leg work for the objectives, um, that was only 120 points out of 800. Um, I, I had plenty of extra space, so I guess you could say plenty of capability to attack my opponent while also doing uh, an objective like sabotage. So kept that in the deck, cut, uh, recover, um, obviously cut, uh, long March and hostile environment for the, the tauntauns. I made that mistake once and I won't make it again. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, LJ? Um, so I've actually been messing around a little bit with what I've been cutting from this list, but I think for the droids, I've pretty much been landing on recover until we get uh, Dooku. Then it kind of changes the calculus on that a little bit. So I have also been cutting recover, um, though the couple times it's been forced, I luckily have not played somebody that's been exceedingly good at it, like a Boba or, you know, Jin box grab shenanigans. And it, it goes okay because, you know, Grievous wants you to go to the middle so he can murder you. But me personally, I've been trying to cut that from my deck. Um, I really don't have a lot of problems with a lot of the conditions. Normally, if I am the blue player, I'm probably not playing Tauntauns because Tauntauns like to bid for Limviz. So I've actually been leaving limited visibility in there because I found if I can go a turn or two without taking basically any wounds on my army at all, most armies don't actually have the damage output to kill that by turn six. And so I've been leaving that in there and actually taking out minefield just because uh, in a tournament, it tends to suck up a bit too much time. Um, and I just don't like dealing with it personally. So that's been kind of my condition cut. Um, and as far as deployment goes, I've actually been getting rid of disarray just because I, it makes it easier for everything to hit at the same time and be a cohesive force, which is, you know, when I can kind of, make a, a like a wheel per se and kind of shut the door on my opponent and have the entire line hit at the same time i tend to find that that works best for this setup um and so i, I got rid of disarray even though you know i think long march has been one i've talked to a lot of other droid players that they've cut that um i really don't mind it so much because it actually is really easy to keep your coordinate chain together and still play the objectives uh when you're playing the the shorter edges instead of the long edges so those have been kind of my cuts. And uh, as far as what the favorites have been, I think either major offensive or advanced positions is, is great for droids for, I'm sure, what are pretty obvious reasons. Um, key positions is probably my favorite objective right now just because the droidicas can 
wheel themselves onto the uh, the center KP or even your opponent's key position, um, you know, in the final stages of the game and and score points, which people forget about because they're not used to vehicles being able to score. And uh, you know, I've pulled some tricks on breakthrough too, also with wheel mode droidicas and getting them into the objective, which I know Endless lamented in his games versus Deco. Um, and then as far as conditions go, I actually try to force hostile. Um, as much as possible because the droids are just so resilient to suppression and i mean with strict orders i've been pulling off an average of like 10 to 12 suppression a game over the course of a game for five points and you know a lot of people forget that the droids can manage that suppression so well and really don't mind holding on to it well you just can't beat that value no not for five points it's crazy <laughs> <laughs> It turns out it's getting all your core units face-ups with strict orders is pretty, <laughs> pretty good. good. Oh, look at that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I'm a simple history teacher, not a math teacher, but uh, that feels like an opportunity even Joe Buck would jump on. So you guys played, you, you were both undefeated going into the final game, so you guys played in what ultimately was the final match. Is that accurate? Mm-hmm. That is an accurate statement, yes. Yes, I managed you- to avoid Eric until the end of the day. I was very happy about that. Do you guys want to talk about it? Tell us, tell us about your match. Uh, do you, I don't want to talk about it. Do you really <laughs> want to talk? No, it's fine. I mean, really, um, I, I didn't hate that match. I thought I'd have a lot less of a chance that I did. And um, there was actually, you know, that role, what was it? I think in the second turn where the rocket squad hit the, um, the squad that was on your Vaporator and did not kill them. I, I, you know, thinking back and reflecting on that game, that mattered a lot more than I initially thought it did. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I still ended up winning by two instead of by one if you had managed to kill that guy. But, but it is a fair point. It is a fair point. So we ended up playing uh, on the, uh, the the I don't know the. The, the granite quarry, the cubes, if you will, uh, if, if, you, if, if anybody has the, seen that map before. The chicken bouillon cubes? Yes, mm-hmm. the chicken, the, the granite bouillon cubes, yes. Uh, and um, they, uh, um, it, it, prevent, it presented a lot of opportunities for, you know, blocked line of sight on both sides. Uh, there was a, uh, a large array of some equipment, uh, turbo laser in the middle and things like that, that um, ultimately when we put our uh, vaporators down, um, uh, I placed mine relatively close to my deployment zone. We were both playing, or we were playing uh, major offensive, uh, clear conditions, and vaporators. And uh, LJ uh, boldly chose uh, to put his uh, vaporator down on uh, basically as close as he could get to mine. Um, while also still being distance one from his and also blocked by a sort of a large, um, cube or a rectangular, uh, shaped, uh, box that sort of separated us at the, at sort of at the panhandle of his major offensive, uh, deployment zone. And, um, after he sort of set up all of his guys, I, I decided to throw, I'll throw all my tauntauns over on, uh, against this panhandle. And, uh, well, chaos sort of ensued from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I would say chaos ensued is a mild way to put it, considering the picture I have on my phone of uh, Grievous being mounted by a Tauntaun. 
<laughs> yes. Uh, at, at the end of the day, I think Grievous Grievous saved like a champ. He did. Um, and I and I think he ended ended up taking at least three separate Tauntaun charges um, before eventually being uh, brought down. I think even just by was it just by Rebel naked Rebel trooper fire? Yeah, I think in total he took three separate Tauntaun charges. A Luke, son of Skywalker. Your generic officer and like maybe two or three, you know, different attacks from basic rebel troopers. I mean, he really mm-hmm. did take a lot. And the reason why he was in that specific predicament was because we played one pip v one pip, and I rushed my Grievous into his Luke to see if I could just take him down. And I almost pulled it off. I almost pulled the one shot off. Ended up doing four wounds. I think it was like. Yeah, four wounds on the charge with Grievous's one pip, and then an additional wound from the card effect. And then on the next turn, I won the roll off again and took a pistol shot at Luke and was not able to kill him. And so Grievous tried so hard to just wipe Luke off. And I think if I would have killed him before the Son of Skywalker, it really would have changed the way that fight on that side of the board went. But uh, unfortunately, that's not what happened. And the Tauntauns cleaned up. Yeah, they did. And and I kind of forced his hand. Uh the the comms jammer Tauntaun charged in um uh turn one and was able to not necessarily get into melee contact, but was able to get close enough to a B1 squad on that sort of peninsula. And then uh it was round two. Now round two was uh my ally was the force and supreme commander on your end. Mm-hmm. And uh Luke was able to essentially jump in and force push Grievous into the taunts uh, and also putting him in range so that if he did, uh, if I won the initiative role, uh, Grievous would be engaged with two targets, one taun, one Luke Skywalker, so he wouldn't be able to charge into the rest of my army. But instead, he won the role and uh, made a game of it. It was uh, it was an exciting one. Uh, we do have some some dirty pictures of uh, four Tauntauns surrounding Grievous. Uh, turns out that is the most you can actually have uh, surrounding Grievous uh, is four. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a good match. Uh, it, it was uh, it was a wild one. Well, congrats to both of you guys. Um, the other the other two invites uh, went to Nerfly, aka Brad. Okay, the, the Submariner. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We've been giving him a hard time because he lost his first match and then he went 4 0 the rest of the way. Um, and uh, and then uh, Ryan Ryan Jekyll and uh, and then you two. So, yep. congrats to everybody. Yeah. Ryan was, a, a, I think, a new player, uh, at least um, on the scene that, that I had noticed. Uh, he had not, I played him in round three. Uh, and he had not played uh, against too many uh, rebel players with Tons before. Uh, so unfortunately, I, I had the, I guess, unfortunately for him, I got to teach him some new tricks um, while we were playing. Uh, he was that that actually made him much better prepared for the, the next round he had to fight against uh, Stevens, actually, with his Tons. And he was able to come out uh, with a win there. Well, it sounds like it was a super awesome weekend. I saw some some pictures from some kind of Benihana or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> there was definitely a, a teppanyaki uh, uh, a party that was going on later. Uh, Ed uh, or 
whatever Edward spelled backwards, however you pronounce that on the discord, uh, invited us all out for some, for some dinner afterwards, uh, the new guy got to play some, uh, as the chef called it Japanese football, catching shrimp in his mouth. It was a good time. It was a lot of fun. It was, uh, it was, it was, some, <laughs> it was fun times. Yeah, that was, that yeah, was great. Awesome. I mean, that's one of the best parts of going to these things is doing stuff like that over the course of a weekend and, you know, the memories that'll last a lifetime to say the least. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. It's, you know, you, uh, uh, like we rarely get to see each other except at conventions. Um, and you see all kinds of people that you chat with regularly, but just don't see in person. Um, well, thanks gents for coming on. Um, let's, let's end this on a, a slightly bittersweet note. Um, LJ, you have been the, the, uh, organizer, uh, force behind Invader League for the first, what is this is season four, I think. Right. So the first, the first four seasons, mm-hmm. um, do you want to, do you want to talk about yourself and, and the future of Invader League? Yeah. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time thinking about kind of how and when I wanted to, you know, maybe end things and what that looked like for me. Because I, I knew that things were going to get busier here over this next year. And for me, that seemed to be like a, a perfect, you know, thing to, to leave behind. Not because I wasn't enjoying it or I didn't want to do it anymore, but because I felt like that's one of the projects I've been involved with in the last two years that has done the best and has the best kind of support staff remaining. And has been one of, you know, the more successful things that I've had my, uh, my hand in. Um, and so, um, I have a lot coming up, um, this upcoming year in the spring, um, we should have a, a battery command position coming up here, um, on the military side of the house, as well as my wife and I expecting, uh, our first child. And so I, I wanted to try to clear something from this upcoming year. And, you know, I saw how well everybody worked before this season started which I know, you know, you've probably seen a little bit too, how the team has really worked together to nail a lot of things this season. And that kind of told me all I needed to know that it was time to, uh, to move forward and kind of let it, uh, let it grow under, under new management as it was. And so fast forward to a couple weeks ago, week ago, week and a half now to where I was playing my game versus undead guy. And uh, I caught the very end of the show that Nerf Lee and John Griffin did um, where they were talking about the odds. And I saw that I was 10 to one to win that game, which was the highest odds out of all the round one matchups, the play in matchups. And I thought to myself, well, I better not screw this up. So I, so I played the game and uh, the, I think the first two or three turns, things didn't go a hundred percent the way I wanted, but for the most part, it was looking pretty good. And um, about halfway through the game, I, I kind of not, I, I didn't want to play anymore. I was like, you know what? I'm kind of exhausted. And I told myself, I'm just going to continue to go ham in this game. I'm going to get super aggressive. I'm going to push this list to the limit and really see what Dooku Grievous can do. And if I lose then that's the sign that I need. And um, all credit to my opponent, he really held what was get, getting thrown in his face at bay. 
and made a couple great plays to round the game out, especially his turn six play on his command card that kind of surprised the casters as well as myself. And, uh, and I ended up losing it. And so I took that post game as an opportunity to let people know, Hey, uh, this is, this is going to be it for me. I'm going to move on to other stuff. And, uh, and that's kind of what, uh, that's kind of what prompted this whole process that the last week and a half has been. Well, congratulations. It sounds like you got a lot, uh, a lot of more important things than Legion coming up there. More, um, more important things than Legion. What is this track? <laughs> this is a Legion podcast, right? This is what we're supposed to be doing. Um, all right. It, it sounds like a bunch of excuses to me, but all right. Okay. Yeah. My, my biggest critic over here was, uh, was talking me through my adult decision here in the way, exact way he described. Um, but uh, I mean, Babies do pretty much take care of themselves. That, yeah, that's true. It's like Steven said, you just give them a little bit of sunlight and water them and they're fine, right? <laughs> yeah, that's more yeah, or less. More like, yeah, yeah, sure. Pretty much. I'm sure Jay is shaking his head behind the glass there. <laughs> he's, he's always shaking his head behind the glass. <laughs> um, but anyway, no, I mean, it, it really came at a, a great time, to be perfectly honest, because... Um, I have been letting the Legion tournament circuit stuff kind of lag behind, and there's a lot of work that I need to do there to get ready for the next kind of season of Legion, as it were, and an update based off what we've seen um, change in Legion and the way that the game has shifted. And so there's a lot of work that I need to do there that this kind of gives me the off season now to focus on when I would have been working on other invader stuff. So that, you know, that was kind of a positive change that I was looking forward to. And, uh, and I mean, on the other side of the coin, I, I'm pretty sure most people in the Legion community saw the announcement that I got to share from FFG Marketing. And so now that that is a connection that myself and some of the other admins have made with Fantasy Flight Games, um, we actually have the opportunity and are currently working on a series of articles that are going to be on the Fantasy Flight Games website. That's pretty exciting. They also um, are going to announce release dates and stuff, or at least approximate release release dates. It sounds like mm-hmm. as soon as something leaves the warehouse, uh, they're going to turn around and let us know that it has left the warehouse, so we don't have to wait for, you know, a, a certain Spanish website or, or your favorite uh, distributor letting us know. You know, the week before, we should have more concrete dates and just just a direct line. And you know, one of the things that Evan told me was, you know, what do you guys want to see? What do you want? Um, you know, how do you want to contribute and how do we want to grow this relationship? And it's just been such a positive relationship thus far. And I can only expect it to get, uh, you know, to get better and to turn into an avenue to continue to talk to the developers of the game and not just Luke and Alex, but, you know, anybody that has a hand in making Legion, you know, people like Derek that are kind of the unsung heroes that do the work that we enjoy without us realizing it, but then also turn that spotlight around and put it on, you know, content creators, or maybe we'll finally get a, Hey, Luke cook, you won worlds article. Do you want to talk about it? Stuff like that, that I think the community would genuinely enjoy. And so I'm really looking forward to, as I said earlier, kind of seeing where that develops. Yeah. It's not like you're going to be uh, riding off into the sunset. You still got LVO too. Yeah. No, which I assume you're not, you're not doing anything 
you're not going anywhere on. No, the the work is definitely not done yet. Um, the, this was just kind of the first in a series of dominoes as far as kind of clearing off the the plate, as it were, for next year. Um, I obviously I went to Warfare with the intent to to win a spot, and and I did, which means I'm going to participate in 2020 Worlds. Um, and so basically everything up to the end of March um, that I was committed to, I am planning on fully seeing through. Uh, yeah, to include LVO and then eventually. Uh, eventually worlds um after that i think we're gonna kind of see where things are at um i might try to release a couple more responsibilities as we get closer to uh to summer 2020 um but we'll kind of see you know where that takes me and how much i can handle because i you know i do think i'm not bad at multitasking and kind of working a lot of things at the same time but i feel like i'm at the point where i'm almost I'm almost tapped out where I've got too much going on at the same time. And I think gradually releasing a few things like this is going to bring up the quality of the other things that I'm involved in. Well, it should be exciting. Uh, a few months for Legion the, uh, communication from FFG has definitely been good. So, um, Arwen, I have a, I have a question for you as we no, close. I... Uh, are you going to bring Tauntauns to the world? Boy, that is, uh, it's a bit of a <laughs> odd question. Um, maybe, uh, maybe. I, like I have to think. You know, it really depends, right? I, you know, I, I've pl- I've been playing Tauntauns for I guess you could say enough games now to say, uh, yeah, you know, if these guys, you know, took a little bit of a hit somewhere, somewhere either in the rules department or the points department, yeah, maybe that's justified. Yeah, there's ways to beat them, but you're kind of swimming upstream when you do, and it could be tough. You know, maybe we haven't solved uh, that particular puzzle yet. Maybe there's not a good solution out there, and so you do need to some adjustments there. Uh, I think it'll largely depend on whether or not we do see some adjustments. At the same time, if the vehicle meta becomes especially strong, uh, then Tauntauns in general are, are, are still going to be... Uh, a, difficult to put on the board uh successfully every single time if you know you're staring down an atst or a tank etc so we'll see we'll see yeah and it sounds like there's going to be not one but three tanks yeah. to worry about actually by then so and one that can even dodge the, the crits off of my ram i'm not i'm not a fan of that but hey you know that's <laughs> that's that's life for big city. <laughs> yep all right well thanks gents congratulations to both of you and uh good luck with your you know, we'll see you definitely in March at AdeptCon. So thank you very much. Yeah, thanks again. Well, that was our interview with LJ and R1H4, the winner of Warfare Weekend. And I think that's going to do it for our episode this week for Notorious Scoundrels. I'm David. I'm Mike. And I'm Kyle. Stay fresh, cheese bags. Join us next week for another episode of The Notorious Scoundrels. This has been a Fifth Trooper production. 